Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We have a contest on Ingool Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of Ingool Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Looking forward to this one. A lot to get to, but yes, we are about to launch a uh, a competitive uh, battle that I can't share too much about, but it's really, really cool, and you're going to want to be able to uh, sign up for all the Ingool channels. We also have a great uh, feature interview today with Chris Dreger of the Florida Panthers. Uh, takes us through a whole bunch, including his uh, routine for game day and his uh, routine for uh, keeping himself honest during practices. And uh, the Ingle in-person webinar series continues this week as we bring in Hutch and Woody. And let's start with uh, with a contest uh, out of the gate. This is going to be, a, I know we can't say a whole bunch, but Hutch, People are going to want to be signing up, subscribing, everything uh, to make sure they don't miss out on this. Darren, you're getting me excited. I'm this pumped. Is, this is awesome. I know we were talking about it offline, and I think Darren's going to try and win this contest himself. Uh, yeah, we can't give too, too much away, but end of this week, check out the InGoal social channels. Check out uh, InGoalMag.com. You'll see a full announcement there. I can say that there will be a full custom set given away to nice. one lucky winner. I can say there will be some celebrity judges. And uh, I don't think I can say much more. Woody? Yeah, and like legit celebrity judgment, judges, we're not trying to pass Hutch no, and I no, off no, as no, judges. No, 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 no. Darren's a celeb, so he might get a vote here. But like legit, bound for the Hall of Fame in one case. Um, there's a Stanley cup in there in another Conn case. Smythe. Um, some, yeah, con Smythe, some, some, some big international success. So, uh, these are some legit celebrity judges you'll have to design, but yeah, as Hutch said, uh, an opportunity to win a free set of gear. Um, pretty excited. And I will say as much as I'd like you to subscribe to in goal premium, um, because I think there's a crap ton of value there and great content. You don't have to to win this one. Just keep an eye on our social channels and on the website. Uh, the post explaining it on the website, ingoldmag.com, will be free. We'd love you to subscribe, but you don't necessarily need to to win this. Got to get that out of the way. Full disclosure, all those things, rules and details. No purchase required. Asterisk, asterisk. Contest exactly. void where prohibited. <laughs> I never understood that one. No. Contest void where prohibited. <laughs> I, I'm not doing this if I'm not allowed to do this. Oh, I can't wait for it. I'm I'm really excited uh, for this uh, endeavor from Ingol Mag uh, and uh, Ingol Radio, the podcast. It's it's going to be a, a lot of fun and uh, some really cool little uh, subtleties uh, that are going to uh, also be involved in in this contest. We also have uh, the Ingol in person series with Bill Ranford Woody coming up on Saturday this week. Uh, Saturday at one o'clock. Uh, Billy Ranford, uh, the goalie coach of the uh, Los Angeles Kings, and we've uh, uh, crossed paths with Billy a couple of times lately. Yeah, no, it. Uh, we had a good one last weekend with Paul Schoenfelder and Andy Kyoto, the Penguins. Uh, Paul, of course, of the Carolina Hurricanes, and now we bring in, follow it up with uh, four-time Cup winner, two as a player, two as a goalie. I mean, two as a goalie coach, uh, a guy who you know the reason those were our first three choices for this, from a coaching standpoint is those are all guys that joined us on the webinar when we ran our first one. It was actually just more of a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Remember the old the one we did with with the Bauer Ultrasonic set? They all just joined us as guests. We didn't know they would be. And so when we saw that audience growing and saw the participation levels from these professional goalie coaches, it only made sense to invite them back 
uh, to be sort of the the front runners for this in goal in person series. And it's been great. Lots of insight to get to ask questions at the end. Uh, again, you can find information on that at the ingoalmag.com website or uh, soon to be on our social media channels as well. Um, so yeah, if you're, uh, if you're an Ingle member subscriber, make sure you, uh, you join in, listen to four times Stanley cup champ, ask him some questions. We'll talk style. We'll t- talk technique, might talk a little gear. There's going to be all kinds of elements. Uh, you know, a guy who's had a, a, a strong impact in sort of the, the goalie development there with the Kings organization, a team that just turns out goaltenders left, right, and center. And we'll get a lot of his feedback and sort of planning on how he manages practices what he thinks of technique versus compete in those practice situations. Just, just a ton of different subjects we've already kind of gone through that, that, that we'll, uh, we'll go over once he's on. May 16th, 1 o'clock. Uh, Want to be Pacific. clear on that. Uh, 1 o'clock Pacific. Uh, thank you. As we get even more specific uh, with Billy Ranford on In Goal, In Person. And before we get to Chris Drager, uh, just starting to see a, a little uh, movement as far as European players uh, are concerned. Uh, on the ice, uh, Henrik Lundqvist uh, with a post. Uh, we saw Jacob Markstrom on the ice. Uh, there was a post uh, involving him and uh, and a couple of goaltenders. So uh, so Hutch, I, I don't know. I mean, the rules are different in Sweden. There's it hasn't been quite as uh, locked down as North America. But uh, this is I take it as a positive that we're starting to see some guys comfortable enough to post. Super exciting to see that guys are getting back on the ice. Had a little goalie in the room here say that maybe we should be buying a plane ticket to Sweden so that we can get over there and get on the ice. So I I bet you there's a lot of people right now seeing rinks opening up in different places. Here in British Columbia, a few private rinks have opened up with some specific sort of distancing rules in place. Uh, To see some NHL guys get back on the ice is really exciting because obviously we all have missed the game for a long time and we can't wait for... uh, Hopefully for an opportunity for us to see some hockey again. But uh, yeah, great to see some goaltenders on the ice. And I and I hope that's a trend that will continue as we beat back this virus. Woody, who who did you see on the ice? Oh, I was just, you know what I love? I, lo- I love that it, not only does Henrik get on the ice, but he takes an opportunity to try something new. 38 years old. Mm. Um, we've talked about it before, whether it's Lundqvist or Luongo the guys that are not just willing, but eager to find new things in their game, no matter where they are in their career, always looking for advantages, always looking for new things. To me, there's a reason. Those are the guys that have careers that will end in the Hall of Fame. And here we have Henrik Lundqvist, you know, first couple of times out on the ice. And what does he do? He goes with, you know, a Bauer ultrasonic uh, pad. Uh, we could see it in the photos that he posted with the Stabila slide knee uh, and that inner leg channel that that's what he was using. So, you know, we talked about new technology and and things that we think will help seal and, and performance in terms of the pad and a bold new step for Bauer. And here's a guy who's had a Hall of Fame career and he's been off the ice for that long. And the first time back on, he wants to give it a try. It doesn't mean he's going to stick with it. We'll have to wait and see. But I just loved, and to me, it's not a coincidence that a guy that's had as much success as he had um, still has that mindset at age 38. Really exciting, and his his video. If you follow Hank on Instagram, was uh, was telling as well. Just guy's calm. He's cool. And he's cool. Uh, I I think Henrik and uh, and Matthew McConaughey hanging out would be uh, like almost <laughs> almost too much cool in one scene. He's like Lundqvist, the like he's the yeah. king, right? Like he he is the king. Like 
I'm worried this is going to start sounding like a man crush. <laughs> That's all right. As I start oh, I talking think about Henry I think it is. I think we're past well, that. I mean, as we, as we check over my shoulder with the, the, the signed jersey hanging behind me from the Olympics, it's like, yeah, I'm a little bit of a fan. Um, may have, after checking out one of his other Instagram posts, like he has a, a clothing company too, mm-hmm. right, that he's involved with, Bread and Boxer. So like automatically, like after like into his Instagram, I'm like, hey, I haven't checked this out. So like there may or may not be, you know, a hoodie that was ordered based on a picture of Lundquist wearing it. And there may be absolutely, well, there is zero chance that it's going to look as good on me, but like he just wears the crap out of everything. You're just like, oh man, I got to have that. I got to have that look, whether it's pads, whether it's off ice, there's a reason he's the king. So there you you go. There's the, the, do you think they make hats, Darren? Uh, they might, and if they do, uh, oh, I'm sure Woody will acquire one. Uh, just uh, a little background, a uh, little behind the uh, the scenes of Ingle Radio, the podcast. Before we started recording, I asked Woody what hat he was wearing, and it like 20 minutes later, he was he was still going, and Hutch finally said, "Okay, enough." It, <laughs> all I wanted to know was about the logo on it, and uh, and then it was like, "Wow, that's incredible." Uh, but you'll get a little bit more of uh, Woody's. Um, Ability to uh, carry a conversation and partake in a conversation with Chris Dreger. And I half uh, have the feeling that uh, that this was uh, a bit of a competition that uh, Woody took upon himself to uh, try and measure up to Hutch's interview last week uh, because uh, Woody tried to approach uh, the record Didn't for an Ingle Radio uh, podcast interview. Uh, sorry for the record that if I had been actually watching the clock, you guys know I absolutely could have got way more than just one last you, question. You could have, but I watched the clock on the edit, and I can take every breath out, and I can take every pause out. I can whittle an hour and a half down to about 55 minutes if I really try. Well, And let's be honest, if you were to take every Woody ramble out, that one-hour interview would be about nine minutes. So. This is I a love good it. One, he though. takes himself down. This is a Chris Dreger, uh, who's a Florida Panther, was drafted back in 2012, uh, will turn 26 next week. So it gives you an idea of where he is uh, in the course of his career and made his first National Hockey League start this year. Appeared in three games, uh, all with Ottawa before this, but his first start was this year with the Florida Panthers. So it's been one of those uh, climbs that he's had to be patient and had to. Uh, bite his tongue a little bit, probably at times, uh, but is back uh, where he wants to be and is uh, in the National Hockey League. And he covers a lot of ground with Woody here. It's a very impressive uh, conversation. It's an honest uh, conversation, and there's a lot in it for uh, veteran goaltenders and uh, kids and parents alike. This is Chris Dreger on In Goal Radio, the podcast with Kevin Woodley. So I guess the big question, Chris, the question that is first and foremost nowadays is how are you doing and what are you doing? It's been a while since you've been able to get on the ice. We've talked to a number of goalies around the league since this all start, stopped, I guess. Um, what's the new normal for you and how do you maintain goaltending as part of it? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting, I guess it's almost coming up on two months now here. So uh, no, it's been, it's been all right. I've uh, definitely fared better than I thought. Um, I was going into it. So, um, the important points for me that I hit every day are just to kind of stay on top of my conditioning and, and keep my body in, 
in good shape. So I've been doing a ton of yoga, um, kind of been doing, trying to been doing, uh, an hour a day, um, give myself like one or two breaks a week. So you should do five, six days a week of that. And then, um, if the weather permits, get outside, go for some runs, um, do some hikes. Uh, I'm actually in Massachusetts now. Um, I had, uh, my apartment from the beginning of the year here in Springfield. So and my girlfriend's from here. So I was hotel living in Florida, um, which is less than ideal if you're going to be stuck in a room, you know, it, it, without a kitchen, it's kind of, uh, yeah, not, not the best situation. So I decided to come back up here, spend time with my girl and have a full functioning kitchen and a little bit more space. So that's, uh, what we did. Um, that's where I've been at. And then, uh, yeah, just doing the yoga, getting outside and trying to stay, um, stay busy. You know, I took a class, uh, that went by pretty quick actually, cause there's not much else to do. And then just been reading some books, watching some Netflix and, uh, that's pretty much about it. Okay. So books, that's actually a good one. Cause we've been asking guys as we've been having them cause other young goaltenders are looking for things to do. Hopefully, you know, indulging the mind a little and reading what's on the reading list. Is there anything related to, you know, mental performance or is reading something you just do to escape? Um, yeah. So reading is kind of, I, well, lately, at least I haven't been doing too much hockey related stuff as the quarantine started. I was reading, um, sapiens. It's a fairly well-known history of just like humanity, which was pretty cool. And I just started the sequel of that. And then, um, in between those two, I read, there's like a new Harry Potter, um, the cursed child that I figured I would check out. I read the, the, the series way back when, when it was popular, like 10 plus years ago or, or whatever that was. So I figured I would just jump on board and that one was pretty easy. It took me a few days. It's in play form. So you can kind of fly through it pretty quick, but, um, that's what I've been doing for the reading. Um, but yeah, I'm always, always open to suggestions. I try and, uh, ask some of my teammates what they're, what they're reading. And it, it is good to just get a get an outside, um, just a perspective on something other than hockey too. So every once in a while. Well, I've, I, I don't read enough. This has got me back reading. So for me, it was the game. Are there any over, over the history, um, you know, as obviously an avid reader, like, have you done any or any sort of mental performance or, um, those types of books that you'd recommend for other goaltenders? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I have I haven't really read any mental performance books. I've definitely, um, you know, talked to sports psych, uh, sports psychologists over the years and sort of gone that route with that. I think it's a, a very important part of the game, but I, I haven't actually heard of any that, um, at least not, not have been suggested to me that would touch on that. Actually, scratch that. My, I, I did read one a while ago. It was that 10,000 hours book. I think it's called Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, so I read that one actually maybe when I was in junior and that just gave me a pretty good, um, understanding of, of it, it just basically the moral of that book is if you put in the work, you're going to have success. So, and he does a really good job of, of laying that out. So, um, so I, I, I did actually do one of those. <laughs> so that, I remember it being very interesting though. Um. I can't really, I, I know the 10,000 hours was a big, was a big part of that one. He said, you know, all these people put in 10,000 hours into their craft and that's how they become, they become masters, I guess, of what they do. So that was cool. Well, add that one to our list. And we'll, uh, like I said, we got, we got a few others from other guys. So you'll have to check out the list on in goal premium when it comes out. A little shameless plug by me. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's the toughest, what's been the toughest part of that? We've had guys talk about, you know, mentally and, and having to sort of manage 
being away from all our, our norms, all our scheduled things that we have in our lives, uh, as I mean, I think it applies to everyone, but specifically for goalies at the professional level, where so much of what you do is regimented. Um, how are you handling that side of things? Have you done anything? You, you know, you mentioned bef- before we started recording, maybe watching some of your own games. Are there things you do to just try and stay engaged between the years with the position? Yeah, it is tough. Um, definitely. But yeah, I've, I've put on some of the clips of my, my games, uh, my goal coach, uh, Ta- Rob Tallis sent me a few of the clips, um, from the games I'd played. So I'd, I'd gone over those and then, um, I started watching some of the full games. I mean, I, I didn't get through the full game. I think I watched the first period of my last game in St. Louis uh, the other day. But uh, it's it's hard, man. Like, there's not really anything that can prepare you for being in net and facing shots and, and being on the ice other than being on the ice. So I'm trying to do everything I can. Um, now the yoga is pretty, um, pretty relevant when it comes to all the things that you need to do uh, to touch on to keep fit as a goalie, um, the flexibility, there's some focus, actually, there's a lot of focus involved, um, some strength and then some balance as well. Um, that I think kind of checks all the boxes for goaltending. So that's, that's been helpful for me. And then, um, I think what's, what's helping me too is, is, you know, I was injured for, you know, injuries are part of the game. So when you're, when you're hurt, you're, you're not on the ice. Like, so this year I was off the ice for, I think, at least a month and you get back and you get back into it. And I was playing and I think I played my next game in two weeks after I, I stepped on the ice. So um, just knowing that that's possible is pretty reassuring. Like I know that, you know, it's been two months off um, you know, that does happen. It's not like it's unprecedented. You know, if you have an injury, you're off the ice for two, two months, you come back and you work, you know, as hard as you can and, and you get back and you're in, you're in game, you're in hundred percent game shape. So, I know that I can do it. Um, just trying to keep, you know, my cardio up, keep my flexibility strength up so that when that time comes and we can get back on the ice, I'm, I'm ready to go. I was just going to say like, you, you came back strong too. I mean, it was almost a full two months off. Your last three games were all good performances. I mean, obviously I'm looking statistically, you would know how you felt about your game. You know, sometimes stats don't match our game, right? We're, we're always yeah. honest with ourselves. You'd be able to know, but sounds like you came back feeling pretty good. Um, any keys to that? Like what, what allowed you to, to sort of get back quickly after such a long period away? Well, I think I was, I was pretty hungry. I mean, I had been sitting on ice in the American league for six years <laughs> and, uh, it was, uh, I finally got my shot and then I got hurt. So I was, you know, initially pretty frustrated that I just kind of got going, got my chance and got hurt. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, this is my, my chance here. I, I'm not going to just, rest on my laurels like I'm going to do everything that I can to get back early and um, be, be in top physical mental condition when I get back so I was just pretty motivated to do everything that I could and, and um, I think that definitely paid off uh, I know when I got hurt they gave me 10 weeks I mean which is always they always tack on a week or two just to give themselves some wiggle room but um, I was back playing in, in the NHL uh, six weeks so, and I was in the American league for just under a week, maybe five days before that. So it was, um, it was a quick recovery. Um, and yeah, just, uh, just the mindset helped a lot and just trying to do everything that I could. It, it's, it just really comes down to, um, just the hard work. You talked about that gap, all that time you waited to get there. I mean, 
I haven't talked to you since 2016 summer Kelowna net 360 goalie camp times. It, it, it was, it was a while ago too. Right. And there's probably a lot of different lessons between there and here and, and a different team and a different franchise and sometimes in the coast and some ups and downs. And to have this success you had this year, like not just to be in the NHL, but to excel in the NHL. I, it's a big question. We could probably go through several different periods here, but like, what, what was it? If you, if you were to sum it up in a couple things, what, what allowed you to feel ready this time? Was it just about having the opportunity or what, what allowed you to have this success to this level this year? Um, well, I think I was just so hungry from not making it. And, um, my first kind of go around with it with Ottawa, I, I was sort of on track to be an NHL goalie. And then the, the train kind of derailed. We had some goaltender, uh, log jam in the system and I got hurt and it just, it, it, things didn't line up. And, and next thing you know, I was in the East coast league and, and, you know, where I thought my trajectory was going was, it was not there. It was somewhere else. So. Um, having everything, you know, you think everything's figured out and then you don't make it, obviously there needs to be some changes because if you're a good enough, strong enough goaltender and you've done enough to, you know, earn yourself an opportunity that, you know, management and your coaches know that. So they're going to find a way to give you that opportunity. And if you haven't, then you don't. So it was, it became kind of clear to me that I, I hadn't done everything that I needed to do to, to get those opportunities. And I figured. You know, I had a second chance with Florida and I wasn't going to make the same mistakes again. So I, uh, I think just a mindset shift into, you know, I, I knew I had the physical talent and the, and the ability, um, but it was just a matter of, you know, working hard, doing everything, everything right that I possibly could. And then just like taking that mindset into practice every day and just staying consistent. And, um, and yeah, so that's, I, I think it was just kind of more of a mindset shift into just that hunger to just get back and when you've put in all the work and and you have a little bit of success especially like over the last few years things have been going well in the american league so when you get that that jump to the to the nhl and you get your shot there you're a little more prepared you know it's it's just another game of hockey you've been doing this you know at a pretty high level for the last little while and you just got to do that you know in front of a couple more fans maybe maybe more than a couple but it's uh in essence, it's just another hockey game. So that's kind of how I approach it. You know, you, you talked about the work ethic and working hard. And uh, Leo Luongo sent me a note talking about that, how you guys like set out to win every practice, like that battle level, even if it was just goalie sessions and that mindset. But it's not like, I mean, I remember, you know, when we met in 2016. It's not like you weren't working hard. Is there, you know, I, we had this conversation with Matthew Garon recently for one of the podcasts where he talked about always felt he was working hard. And he all of a sudden he got to, to Pittsburgh and he watched Marc-Andre Fleur and it was like, Oh my God, that's what working hard is. Was it sort of, was there, was there a gap between what you thought was working hard before and now? Like, are there lessons there that you think if you were to go back to your younger self and, and, and give them, they would have changed maybe the arc or is it also about learning that sometimes there are other things like other goalies, like contract situations, like injuries that you can't control. I think it's funny when, when you're younger and, you think you're working hard. You always think you're you're doing the most you can. It doesn't, you know. Everyone thinks that they're doing the most they can. But um, the quicker you realize that um, you're never doing everything that you possibly can do, it's it's the people that just that don't make excuses and and actually put in more work than the other people. Um, 
that have the success. So yeah, um, you know, working with Leah was great. I, I came in and uh, so would have been the start of last season and I was number five guy and I kind of knew that going in, but I just sort of told him in the Springfield practices, I said, hey, listen, like when I practice hard and I don't, um, you know, let up or, or get lazy and, and, and stuff like that in practice, then I have a lot of success in practice and that carries over the game. So we sort of had a conversation early on and I just told him like, listen, if you, if you see me, you know, maybe taking a couple shots off or, or, you know, taking a drill off or, you know, you see, see some things that I'm, uh, my habits are slipping, then just let me know. And, uh, I, we kind of got on that page early and we just carried that into the time that we had together. And I think that that might like that mindset going into practice of, of just the little details was the, the single biggest difference that I had in my, um, in my game and just in my, in my day to day, um, from, from that time versus my time in, with the Ottawa organization. So I think that was big. And, and just having that communication with Leo was, was big too. We were on the same page. We both knew what, what I needed and I need, he knew what I needed from him. Um, I knew what he needed from me and it kind of made things pretty seamless going, uh, going in and, and uh, it kind of helped our, helped us achieve some success with, you know, with practices every day. Now we talk about doing everything we can. Goaltending is a position. I think it's one of the things that I love the most about it. It's constantly evolving, but within that evolution, you have to sort of find the things that work for you, right? You're always sort of looking, we're always looking for new things, but we have to stay true to what our foundation is. And sometimes that evolves. What during this process, whether it's with Leo the last couple of years or in the gap between them, like, like how has your game evolved? What are some of the things that you've maybe changed in the past couple of years? And, and it's a goaltending audience here, so you can get technical on us if there are even small little points and they'll all appreciate it and understand it. Are there any that jump out at you? I think, honestly, like when it, what it boils down to, the difference in my game has honestly just been the buy-in for me and doing what it takes and taking things more seriously and, you know, just kind of realizing that it, you can't just get to you know, the NHL by put in an 80% effort or even like a 90% effort. Like you got to do everything that it takes if, if you want to be there, you know, it's, there's only 60 jobs or 62 jobs now. So um, you know, it doesn't leave a ton of room for, <laughs> for guys that, uh, that aren't giving it their all. So I just sort of try to approach things a little bit like, I think just things like getting the proper sleep every single night, you know, I would always make sure I had a great sleep the night before the game, but kind of going forward, I'm like, you know what? Like I need, I need to make sure I'm getting a, a great sleep every night. And that just kind of over time just builds up and you're sharp every, every day and things like your game day routine. Um, you know, I always kind of had a, a baseline routine that I would do whether I was playing or not. And then whether I was playing, I would, I would kind of add to that and get myself more ready. And I sort of came to to realize like, you can't, be more ready for the games that you're starting. Um, you know, already you're, if you're, if you're not starting and you end up playing, you're going in cold. So you have that, um, working against you. Um, you know, if you're under, under prepared in a warm up sense, that's just going to hold you back even further. So, um, I mean, I changed that. I, I, I do the exact same preparation before a game that I'm playing, uh, versus not playing. Um, and I try to approach it the same mentally as well. You know, like, like I said, there's just not enough 
not enough wiggle room and you're going in cold. So um, that's just something if, if there's even a, a chance that, you know, one or two games don't go your way, like that's, that's a difference and you can't afford that. Um, so things like that. Um, I've always been fairly, fairly regimented with, with eating properly. And um, so, so that's kind of stayed consistent. Um, just little things and my, my off ice training in the summer. Um, I know I definitely, uh, you know, kind of, woke up to taking that a little bit more seriously early in my pro career. They sort of got on me a little bit early, but that made a huge difference coming to camp prepared. Um, and yeah, and then, and then just the practices too, like battling in practice. Um, you know, if teams don't like goalies that <laughs> don't try and practice as it turns out. So, um, and not that I would never, you know, that I wouldn't try and practice or, or whatever, but if, if you show that extra battle to, to get rebounds and, you know, guys are, guys are pricks out there. Sometimes I'll do a couple backdoor passes and if you just give up and let them have it, then, you know, it's, it's, it's easy goals for them. If, if they see a guy battling, you know, making sprawling saves in practice and coaches see that, you obviously know that this guy's fighting, you know, to keep the puck out of the net and that's, that's good. And it, and it's going to help you on the ice too. You know, there's going to be times where you make those, those big sprawling saves. And if you do it in practice, you just give yourself a best, a better chance in the game. So, just a lot of little things like that. And, and I just, but the mindset of just of knowing that I have to do everything that it, it possibly takes is like, that allows me to notice those little things. And, and it's still a work in progress. Like, you know, you just kind of, like I said earlier, when you think you're doing everything right, um, you look back down the road and you realize, ah, maybe, I, maybe I wasn't at that point. So it's always ongoing and it's always a learning process, but um, you know, as long as you, as long as I'm aware that, there's always more more stuff that I'm that I could be doing. Then I'm uh, hoping that it, it'll it'll send me in the right direction. Now we've talked to goalies over the years. So we we know as goalies that practice isn't always ideal. You talked about the back doors and sometimes back to the other back door. Once you get there, right? Those wide open drills that just you're like, this is not game realistic. And there are times where we've had goalies say, you got to know when to pick your spots. You can't abandon technique. But it sounds like you know, that battle has been such an important part for you. Did you find that battling more in those practices and not picking your spots, did it translate to games? Like in terms of like, not that you would never not battle in, in a game situation, but does it become a little more innate? Like that desperation is there no matter what. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it just, when, you know, when you're battling and, and you make those saves and you're willing to let those, I mean, those are going to go in. So like you get scored on a practice all the time. As long as you're willing to, let goals in but if, if you're battling and you make that one big you know open paddle save because you just didn't give up on a play and you know everyone goes bananas like it feels pretty good so those little things are worth it um absolutely but uh but yeah no it definitely did translate to the games and, and don't get me wrong like there are drills especially you know after the main practice is done they, they bring it down to the forwards end and they're just target shots one piece from the hash marks like don't get me wrong. Like I'm going to stay up for a majority of those, <laughs> but I'm still going to find little ways to, to make sure that I'm doing little things. Right. So in a drill, like, let's say, let's say they're doing a passo drill from the corner. Um, this is a goalie killer. You know, they'll, they'll have a cycle going and they'll just pass it out to the slot guy. You know, they got the three guys moving and boom, slot guy, you know, quick, not like a, a cock full blown clapper one timer, but one timer. And then the next guy will go down and he'll hit the guy that's in between the hash marks and, you know, just pass out from the corner. Um, those are no fun for goalies ever. It doesn't matter what's going on, but I try and make sure my feet are always set and square. And that's the thing that I do. And, you know, like 
if I'm going to the post, getting out, going down, following my rebound, getting back up, like I'm going to be gassed in two minutes. But you know, if I can at least get something out of that drill, which for me in that one is, is stay on my feet as late as I can and just get square. Um, you know, you can sort of, you know, give, um, you know, give up some, some things in different areas, but as long as you're getting something out of it and you don't give up, then, then I think it's a productive, uh, you get something out of a drill that otherwise is, you know, not a very productive drill for, for a goaltender. Well, and you probably wouldn't even be able to keep up if you were playing every shot out. Like that's a great lesson for young goalies in terms of, you know, maybe it's not a goalie friendly drill, but you've found a way to take something out as a goalie specific skill from it and work on it just one little thing and like you're gonna see drills like i remember i used to get so frustrated with these drills i'm like what are these guys thinking you know like they don't even consider the goalie um and you get all rattled and you get all worked up and then next thing you know you are barely trying in practice that's that's toxic you can't i mean having that attitude and you just get upset when they score and then then you're in your own head and then you're you're just fighting a downhill or sorry an uphill battle from there um but yeah, so if, if you can just get something out of it and, and I find too, like when I get my feet square, like it, it cuts the goals that go in and probably in half. It's unbelievable because they're trying to do it quick too. So, and then you, you're making some saves and then all of a sudden, you know, you're giving yourself a chance. You, 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 you uh, allow yourself to get, you know, use your hands a little bit more and, and uh, just kind of have some fun with it. So um, yeah, just, a, just something that's a little, is just getting your feet set. I mean, has been a big one for me just to keep those, goalie unfriendly drills just a little bit more reasonable well, i was gonna say just sort of being there set and square and how you move and how you get there is probably one you know as a focal point that translates into a lot of those different drills absolutely yeah because you know, those passes from a corner when they're coming like every goalie sees those drills way too much and, and they're just so unrealistic you know in a game you have you got your defense you know what the guy's options are if he's got a backdoor option you're gonna play it differently he's got a set amount of time, you know, your guys are going to, your, your D's coming to him right away. This guy, there's no one anywhere near him. There's no defense in the drill. So, you know, he's just going to stop it and, and, you know, take an extra step this way, change the angle or, and it's just like, you just start rolling your eyes. But as long as you can get there and give yourself a fighting chance, I think things go a lot better than, than if you don't. Yeah. Guys dusting it off, picking spots, nothing like that from about 15 feet away. But I, I, I do think there's a really important lesson here because we've heard that, you know, right up to the NHL, right down to, to kids, right? And so rather than get frustrated with the drill setup or blame them for not taking care of the goalies or paying attention to your needs, find something you can get out of it. I love that lesson, Chris. Sounds like there's been a few lessons over the past few years as you've gotten to this point. Are there any others that jump out at you in terms of approach? You spent some time in the coast when, uh, you know, I'm sure from a career standpoint, you knew you were an AHL goalie and, and wanting to move the other direction. Was that tough at times in some of those demotions just to get the right mentality as to where yeah. you were at that time and not worry about where you wanted to be? Absolutely. I mean, whenever they send you to the coast, um, other than pretty much my first year, my first year, I was like, all right, like I probably need this. Um, and don't get me wrong. It sucked. Um, I was on like, I think my record, my first year pro in the coast was like eight and 28 or something. We were brutal. So that was no fun, but it was just good for me to play at a pro level. And looking back, it definitely helped me. A lot of guys go their first year, but you know, when I'm in my third, fourth year and they're like, ah, Driggs, you know what? Like we got too many goalies here. We're going to need you in Brampton 
for 15 games. I'm like, sometimes you just shake your head, but I always approached it. Um, I think Brampton would have been the first time that I got sent to the coast and I, and I was like, okay, you know what? Um, and actually at that point it was, it was, so I was off my entry level. So you, you have to agree. So um, for a while I was like, no, like I'm going to get a chance here. And then we just, there's a point where we had four goalies in practice for like a month. And I was like, this is insane. So, so this is just, up- just to give our audience that this is this, I mean, this is only two years ago, Chris this is 17, 18 with Ottawa. Yeah. Right. I like guess sure. not that far ago. And so, you know, just to give them, a, I'm trying to paint the picture in my head off the top of my head, who they had, like that was a year where like Hammond was down in the AHL. They brought in Danny Taylor. Yeah. So it, and we had Hogberg, which was now, uh, I mean, should be full-time in Ottawa next year, but that was his first year pro. So he had spent the, the majority of the season in the coast and they were like, well, we can't just have this guy buried in the coast all year. We have to give him a chance in the American league. Um, so then they had, so yeah, uh, Hammy, uh, Danny Taylor, me, Hoggy, all in net. Poor Corey Cooper, my <laughs> our goalie coach, had, had a lot of goalies on his hands. We were going out early, and then they were doing practice, kind of split, and then the other the other two would stay out later. Like it was a nightmare. So at that point, it, I just decided enough was enough. I would go, and and I think I'd played ten games at that point, which was nowhere near enough to for to count it as a productive year. So I just went to the to Brampton and. Um, it was actually, it was actually, I had way more of a, of a, of a good time, way more fun there than I did at all in, in Belleville with that um, kind of, a, kind of a mess of a situation. So it was just good. I, I kind of went in there and, and just was like, you know what, I'm going to approach this as if I'm in the American league and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I don't get sucked into, um, you know, some of the bad habits, which, which is too bad. But, you know, in, in that league, there's a lot of guys that just don't have great habits. Um, and it's easy to kind of get roped into that and uh, just try to make sure I stayed on, on the right side of that and uh, just kind of work on my game and, and just know that it was temporary. And, and I, the whole time I knew that I was there, you know, I was having, you know, I was having success in, in the East Coast League, uh, which was great, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of that confidence again. And, and, you know, as long as you're playing well and your game's going well, you know, they're always happy to have me, which was, which was great. The coaches kind of, let me do as I wanted. They, they were very willing to let me do what I needed to play my best. Um, I remember one time in Brampton, they, you know, they wanted me to play all three and I had just come off my groin injury a few months before that. And I said, you know, if, if I didn't have this injury before I would, um, but I just don't feel that comfortable doing all three in a row. (laughs) So they said, no worries. Uh, I played at home Friday, the team went on the roads, Saturday, I stayed in Brampton and then they went on this like eight hour bus ride to like Toledo or something crazy, played a game, hopped right back on the bus, eight hours back and then played an afternoon game Sunday. I missed, I they just didn't take me on the road. They take the, took the third guy, but they were very accommodating. And, you know, when you're able to do that and have some success, that is always good for your confidence. So I just, I just sort of try to approach it as whenever I was there, temporary, you know, be, be an example. Like at that time I had, I had some NHL games. I, I think I went in like two or three times, um, uh, for the senators. So, you know, guys, guys look at that. And a lot of guys in that league, you know, have no idea what it would be like to be even at an NHL training camp and stuff like that. So try to be somewhat of a good example for them and, and, uh, just try and do the right thing and just be responsible and, and make it a good experience and get better from it. And then, you know, if you have that approach, 
you know, that's what coaches are looking for in the American League. You know, they're talking to the coaches and the coaches asking how guys are doing. They, they're not, they don't want to hear, oh, I don't know, his efforts, his effort level is not great. Like that's, that's the opposite of what they want to hear. So I just made sure that, you know, if there's any correspondence between the coaches in the coast and the coaches of the American League, it would always be good. I tried to do everything in my power to make sure that that was the case. And, you know, if you do that enough, eventually you're going to get a shot. People are going to get hurt. You're going to get a chance. If you do well, then, you know, if you set yourself up to do well, you'll play well in the American League. I knew I was capable of that. That wasn't a question. I just needed to get a chance. And, yeah, I just kind of kept working, working from there and, and moving forward. Is there any guys you talked about, you know, making sure you set the right example? Are there other guys along the way? Because that, that would have set that example for you that you learned from. And, and I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking of all the guys that would have been in Ottawa at all those training camps over all those years. There's, there's some, you know, there's a, there's a broad range of styles. Um, technically, tactically, I think of Craig Anderson. I think of Robin Lehner. Um, yeah. You get to Florida, you've got Luongo. This year, you've got Bob, who just, like, work ethic on both those guys would have been off the charts. Any, any that, that jumped out to you or any little things you took away from? Uh, do you do that with a partner? Are you guys talking about, hey, I play it this way. Um, why do you play it that way? You know, those types of conversations that might lead you to tweak something. Anything that jumps out over the history. And that's a broad history, but. That's a good question. Um, so it's in, it was funny. In Ottawa, Craig Anderson is just one of those guys that if I played like Craig Anderson, I would be the worst goalie in pro hockey. So. I knew that going into it. Um, so I would take more. It was just, he was so good. So good. Like his reads were, I got to say that they're the best in the NHL. Uh, you know, like it's incredible because he's like, he wears the skinniest chest protector. He's the skinniest guy to begin with. He covers no net. And yet he's out there just stopping guys point blank, standing up, making windmill saves. Like it's unbelievable. So for me to watch him for like technique, I knew that our styles weren't they weren't they weren't gonna work together. So I just sort of looked at him and, and just try to gain some of his um, ability to read the play. But um, that was pretty. I think that's pretty God given for him too, and, and just comes with experience. He was an experienced guy that had seen a game for a long time, played a lot of years. So. Um, he was fun to watch for sure, uh, but it was hard to really take stuff from him and incorporate it into my game. Um, Andrew Hammond is definitely a guy that approached every day as a pro, and and he ended up having a lot of success that I was kind of his backup for um, when he went on the Hamburglar run. So um, he's definitely a guy that I that I look to. Um, you know, just kind of the ways he went about his business. He was uh, very humble and and a hardworking guy. But, um, I think more recently, um, you know, I, I only had one training camp with Lou, um, tried to, you know, look at him as much as I could. Obviously he's a legend. So, um, that was pretty cool to even just be a part of a training camp with him. Um, but then this year for sure with Bob, like, I mean, we talked about earlier about how I've been trying to do, you know, as much as I can to, to, uh, you know, make myself prepared. And then I, and I think, you know, you know what, like I got a pretty good routine going, um, pretty, pretty extensive compared to a lot of the other guys, um, you know, players and, and goalies alike. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I come in and I look at what Bob's doing and Bob's doing, his is four times as long as mine. It's unbelievable how much he's doing. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> there's another perfect example. If you think you're doing everything that it takes and then you see another guy doing 
that much more than what you're doing. And you're like, okay, well, maybe there's, maybe there's some more that I could be doing. So, um, Bob's definitely a little bit more, his personality is more detail oriented. Um, and I'm a little bit more laid back. So I don't think that I would ever get to that point. I, I think that if I were to do that much stuff, it would kind of be counterintuitive. Um, but that being said, I think that there's a happy medium that I, that I can find that I can work on. Um, so that being in mind, I've sort of just been looking at my warm up and, and just kind of thinking about things that I can do every day. And, and I noticed like things about my body, like I've always wanted to be more flexible and be able to do, you know, get into more kind of, um, like kind of like do the splits. Like I sort of, I can get by with doing the splits. Um, and I stretch all the time. Groins are tricky though. They get, they get sore and, and, you know, I thought I was stretching them enough, but, um, I feel like if I, if I work on it a little bit more, I'll be able to kind of be able to get a little extra, um, extension. And I think what I've wanted to do, my goal for the last how many years is, so when, when I get to reaching, I'm not splayed out on my, on my stomach to try and get that. If I have a little extra flexibility, you can kind of stay a little bit more upright. Um, so that's, that's a goal of mine. And I think, so, you know, doing a, a routine that's a little bit longer, like, like Bob does would probably help me get there. So, um, tying that into some of the yoga that I've been doing, I've, I've, uh, been kind of doing it pretty consistently here. So I've, I've definitely taken some things and some, some movements, some positions, I guess, and, and just kind of thought, well, I'm doing it. I'm like, well, this, this would be something that would be pretty good to do every day at the ring. Just maybe loosen the hips up right off the bat, uh, loosen the groins up right off the bat, warm up the glutes, like things like that. And there's just different positions that you kind of say, okay, you know what? I like this one, um, for what I do on the ice. I think this is going to help. So, um, Bob's definitely been an eye opener, um, for, for the, just the amount of care and, and attention to detail that he puts into his warmups. And it's just his everyday business. It's, it's pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, I know. I've, 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 I've gotten glimpses at it and it's, it's pretty intense. And, but like you said, um, for a lot of goalies, that might be too much. It might become a negative if they were to spend that much time. Everybody has to find their balance. You've referred to the different influences on your game day routine. You've talked about how, you know, uh, a couple different times about that routine. Can you walk us through it? There are probably a lot of young goalies that are like, Hey, so we've heard about this game day routine. Are, are you okay to share some elements? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll try and get in I, as in depth as I can without uh, making it take 20 minutes, but um, yeah. So basically on a, on a game day. So, so I have certain routines I kind of, so when I get to the rink, um, whether it's a game day or not, I kind of go through the same thing. I'll, I'll go into the locker room, get changed. Um, and then I'll kind of, you know, if I make a coffee, if it's first thing in the morning is kind of standard. Um, I kind of try for games. I'll try and make sure that, that I have two coffees in my system for, I mean, they say that, that, you know, four to three to four hours is kind of the caffeine boost that you get. So I'll try and make sure that I time it so that I got a few coffees, um, you know, two usually in my system for the duration of the game. So that's, that's, you know, just a caffeine thing for me. I, I, there's some studies that it, you know, helps focus. And I, I feel like it helps the focus as well, which is obviously important. So first things first, get your coffee in. Yeah. If, if um, you know, come into the room, look at the board, see if there's any meetings. Last thing I want to do is miss a meeting. Turns out coaches don't like that too much. So, um, and then I'll just jump on the roller and uh, I'll roll, I kind of do a rolling routine, hit the glutes, hammies, quads, groins, hips, 
kind of do that 10 minutes, maybe longer, depending on how I feel. And then I kind of have a stretching routine that I, that I go into. And, and that's one of the things I was, one of the things that I might add a little bit to is a stretching routine, but I kind of, um, I, I kind of splay the legs out and just kind of get, that's the classic goalie stretch, I guess you could say off ice, um, just stretch the hamstrings and the groins right off the bat. And I'll do, um, you know, a few other ones, I'll get the quads, I'll get the hips, um, like a little figure four for the hips. Um, and then, uh, get the hip flexors as well as a big one. So I'll, I'll do those for every single day. Um, sometimes, you know, well, actually pretty much every, every day I'll do them twice a day. Cause I'll do it. I'll hit the same things after, after practice as well. So that's kind of, um, a standard one for me. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I would do for my body but before a game, it kind of gets more in depth. So I guess I'll just, I'll just bring you through a game day too. Sure. Yep. So that, I mean, all the stuff that I just mentioned would be, would be game day as well. Get the rink, get the coffee, warm up, uh, roll out. Um, and then I will, we'll do some meetings. Um, usually do PK, PK meeting before. And then um, if I have to take a stick, I'll take a stick. And then just kind of bum around with the guys, get dressed. I'll go out early. Um, I'll do about 10, 12 minutes early. And I, I like to keep my pregame skates short. I've always been a pregame skater. Um, I just find, you know, when you're young, it's always encouraged that you go out for the pregame skate. So um, I just I just started doing that. And then I have just kind of kept doing that um, over the years. And, and I've had success while I've been pregame skating. So I, didn't really feel like there's any, any reason to change it. Um, in the American League, sometimes if there's a back-to-back, -back, I, I wouldn't pregame skate on the second day just to rest. Uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty consistent with the pregame skates. Um, I'll go out there. I'll do uh, – I sort of have a movement pattern that I go through every time I get on the ice. And I don't think I had this actually when I saw you. I could be wrong. But um, I'll just kind of do some blue line skating. I'll do, I'll do um, you know, the bubbles or double C cuts. They're backwards. I'll do right leg, they're back, left leg, they're back. And then I'll sort of do like a, like a long wide C cut uh, there and then back. And then I'll sort of do another one. It's kind of like a double C cut and then double C cut. And you just kind of like switch. You're kind of like doing a, a quick 180, but you're double C cutting your way to get there. Um, so that's kind of my, and I, and I do that for practices too, not just a game day. So a lot of edge work there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just found doing, doing something every day. And this is actually something that I, um, my goalie coaches in Ottawa actually kind of instill on me. If you do movement every single day, movement sucks, but like, that's the stuff that's going to get you mobile and, and get you better. And you're not going to get better unless you do it every single day. So that being said, I, I was like, you know what, that makes tons of sense. Um, I'm going to make sure that I do at least something basic that I can make sure that I do every single skate as soon as I get out there. And if I know that I'm doing at least that, that's the baseline, I'm still getting better. And if I, I can add on from there. So I'll do that. And then I'll hop in the net game day. We'll just do some, some glove block or warm up shots. Uh, pretty standard with, with tally with the goalie coach. And, um, and then I'll do one drill that I really like to do before a game, which is, it's super simple. You just kind of have two guys um, high slot on kind of, either edge of the slot. So they're, they're pretty much tops of the circles and you start on your post, go out to the first guy. He's got a puck. He passes it across to the guy at the top of the circle. You slot or sorry, don't slide across. You, you push, you push over and then he's, he's high enough out 
that, uh, and you want him to shoot to score, but he's high enough out that he's not going to score, but it's, it still kind of gets your hands warmed up. Um, so I kind of like finding that balance because I, I do have to, you know, dial it in and, and make a save, but, um, he's not going to score from the top of the circles, hopefully anyways. So, um, <laughs> so I like that one. I'll do like four aside, like three or four aside, and then we'll I'll just hop right into the, the team oriented pregame skate. Um, so after the pregame skate's done, I'm pretty much right off the ice. I'll do a quick stretch. And then, um, I don't like to linger on the ice after a pregame skate. I kind of like to save it for the game, get, get on, get off, um, as quick as possible. And then, uh, with, you know, getting all my stuff that I need to do. Um, and then after that, I'll do the kind of the same role stretch routine. Um, maybe take a little bit more time with the stretch afterwards. And then, yeah, so I'll kind of get uh, wound down after that, go home. Uh, well, sorry, I'll eat pregame meal at the rink. Uh, they have pregame meal for us uh, at the NHL level, actually, in the American League, not so much. I'm cooking my own pregame. So, <laughs> what, what's the favorite? If you're cooking yourself, what do you got? What is it? Uh, so I've actually, I've actually kind of dialed in this this pregame meal. Me and the, I've, I've roomed with a few guys over the years, and we sort of would would tag team the 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 pregame meal. So we'd do chicken and pasta, and throw in a bunch of veggies. You know, we do like dice up some onions, some garlic throw them in a pan and then uh, get it going with some olive oil, some sauce, uh, some tomatoes we throw in there. And then we kind of do the pasta, put it in, mix it all up with the sauce, throw some spinach in. Uh, and it ends up being pretty, pretty good. So we've been doing, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been doing that for a while. Um, depending on who I live with, I kind of just kind of, um, I don't mind cooking. So if, if we've lived together for a bit, we, we can kind of do it together or, or if not, I'll do the cooking and, and my roommate will do the cleaning. That's kind of what I had going on last year. But, um, so I'll do that. And then actually this year I've sort of switched, I've, I've, since it's at the rink and readily available, um, I've sort of switched to mostly just veggies before, uh, before a game. Um, I will do some salmon too for protein, but, uh, got away from the chicken and pasta a little bit at the rink. They would have some spaghetti squash, um, just a, like some cauliflower, broccoli, carrots, just an assortment of veggies. I would kind of load up on that. And then um, some sweet potatoes too, some rice, and then just some some salmon. And it feels pretty good. It feels pretty light. I mean, I watched that documentary, <laughs> jumped right on the bandwagon that um, the vegan documentary, uh, what's it called? Do you know which one I'm talking about? I do, and I'm cramping on the name of it, which is embarrassing because I uh, watched it and my kids game watched it. Yes, and my okay. daughter, my 12-year-old, is now vegan as a result of that movie, as, there as well as my wife. Pretty crazy. So, and actually a few of the guys jumped on it for, for a bit. I don't know how many um, are still on it, but I, I definitely am, am not a vegan or anything like that, but they kind of brought up some good points with, um, you know, game day, seemed like they had some, some evidence that, that said you'd have, you know, better athletic output if, if, you know, same day stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I still do the fish. Um, it seems like fish is probably a better option than, than, you know, a steak or <laughs> some, some heavy meat, but, um, anyway, so yeah, I do my meal and I would go home, uh, have a nap. I've kind of cut my nap times down. I used to kind of do like an hour and a half. Uh, sometimes even like two, two and a half, but now I'm kind of a half an hour, 45 minute nap hour at the max. Um, and then once I'm, you know, once I wake up from that, bum around for a little bit, um, my phone, check Twitter, Instagram, boring stuff. 
uh, make sure I'm just not like getting worked up about anything. Just kind of lay low, chill out. Then I'll get my suit on and head to the rink. Then uh, at the rink, kind of go through the same routine. I'm, I'm a big two-touch sewer ball guy, so I'll, I'll make sure I get a couple couple rounds of that in. Um, that's always a good time. I find it's it's like just a good warm-up, and it kind of like you kind of have to have your hand-eye going, and whether it's foot-eye coordination or whatever, it kind of gets your body, you know, ready for ready for a game, uh, ready for action. So I'll do some of that, and then uh, I've got a gut juggling routine that I do. Um, bounce the ball off the wall a few times, juggle off the wall a little bit, um, and then yeah, tape a stick, have a coffee, all that good stuff, and then. I guess other stuff on a game, I, I do sort of um, a, a national anthem thing where I just sort of like go around and visualize getting shots, different areas. And um, I found like just having little things like that, like little things that you do that keep consistent, um, just kind of give you a chance to get into it sometimes. And, and I, I'm going to be honest, like I, I feel like those little, little routines have kind of saved me a couple times this year. You know, in the American league, there's always like, like sometimes you'll have, three national anthems like if, if you're if we're in providence like three national anthems every time so you're just sitting there it's so easy if you're not doing anything you're just, you get lost in your thoughts like all of a sudden you know I, I used to find myself just wandering off mentally during the national anthem so i said you know what like i need to get something that i do that keeps me focused while this is going on because you know if you're letting in the first shot of the game because you're not ready to go like that's that's a problem that can't happen so um yeah i developed this just little little routine of just me going around and just kind of visualizing me getting shots um, from certain areas. Uh, you know, I'll go high glove, low glove, high blocker, low blocker. So you're like just even in an anthem, usually you're facing your net when the anthem's going on, right? I guess it depends yeah. on what, which, which rank and where the flag is. Um, yeah. But if you were facing your net, like, so are you, I, and I've always wondered this about visualization. Do you watch it? Like, are you watching yourself from overhead or are you watching it through your mind's eye with the pucks coming right at you when you're, My, when you're mind's picking? eye for sure. Like I'm thinking the pucks are coming at me, um, from the work that I've done with a sports psych. Um, that's I the way to go. They've said that that's the way to do it. If you just are looking at someone else do it, it doesn't really, I guess it doesn't fire the same nervous stuff. I, I'm, an, I'm not a, neuroscientist but you le but you learned these techniques from from one of them and and it sounds like it's working for you exactly so no i try and yeah i try and always visualize it being me in there and, and even if the nets because sometimes i'll face the net too right um like you said so you know even if it's that i'll um just pretend that the net's over here and, and the shots are coming and and that's that so it's a great um, tip yeah. So then other than that, I mean, in between periods, I'll just kind of, um, just kind of chill out and, and I try and keep it light. Like I, I try and, you know, go to my, go to my corner on whistles. Um, and then I'll try and go like every TV timeout I go and I try and, you know, chat with, with the goalie, with my goalie partner, um, about certain things, chat with the guys, about, you know, if there's a, if there's a goalie handle or whatnot, but I try and just keep it light and, um, trying to get too, you know, too, dialed in when the play's not going on you know I, I try and take my little breaks when i can and and uh kind of when when the play starts again then i then i sort of get back into it and 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 save my focus for for when i need it you know if i come to the bench and i'm just you know like dialed into the, what's going on on the bench in the tv timeout you got two minutes just to hang out and, and you know you're wasting your focus time on, on that i think it's pretty tough on your body to, to stay focused for 
for that amount of time. So you'd be I'd, exhausted, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's something that I've been guilty of earlier on in my career. You know, you just kind of think that you have to you know, so focused all the time, even even if it's you know in between periods, you're just visualizing, visualizing. Um, and I found that it's kind of the opposite. You kind of want to just chill out, and even if a bad goal went in, if you're just thinking about it, thinking about it um, nonstop, then you're just kind of going to focus on that, and it's going to going to dwell and snowball and you know kind of bring yourself into a less desirable place mentally so i try and just keep it light and uh you know save the focus for for when the, the play's happening do you have a any time any trigger or anything that you've learned over the years to that to bring you back um you know we've seen you know hopefully with the water bottle heart with the water bottle like guys have developed different tools with sports psychs to you know because i do think that's important uh, we had this conversation with john stevenson recently everybody loses focus. It's not about being able to focus nonstop. It's about recognizing when it drifts and finding a mechanism to bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. I actually did a year uh, with John as well. He was great. A lot of insights from him. Um, you know, he's one of the few guys that I've got, you know, that I talked to over the years that had some really, really good sound advice. So um, yeah, I can't, can't say enough good things about him. But um, yeah, so I just sort of you know, if, if the puck's in zone, that's kind of the big one for me, but I, I just sort of use my, my setup as, um, you know, the reset, like I hit my stick over, um, the crossbars is one of the things that I've just done over the years. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of like, you know, shake the helmet a little bit and then just get into it. And, and you know, you're always getting set to the same area. So you've done it a thousand times before. So just kind of going through that little routine, even though, even though it's short and sweet, um, you know, getting your gloves in the right, in the right spot, just those kind of, you know, routines, I guess, just doing them over and over again, like my body and my mind knows that when I do those things, it's, you know, focus time, you know, it's game time. So I think just even having something as simple as that always, always helps. That's funny because we, again, the, when we did with Stevenson and Pete Fry, we did a seminar last summer and he encouraged Pete, encouraged everybody to sort of build one of those cues, whether it was, you know, as they get into their setup, let that tap in the, the stick on the leg or something like your crossbar as a sort of, okay, boom, now it's time. Now I'm going to get into my, my set, into my stance. Get, the game is on. I'm focused. So that's interesting to hear that. Absolutely. Uh, hey, listen, uh, this has been fantastic. I did want to ask you a little bit just because um, they're, they're guys we've gotten to know a little bit. Uh, the influence uh, from, from Leo um, and, and learning from him, some maybe a couple takeaways from him specifically, and then Robbie as well, who's been just great to us over the years with I've actually missed you uh, by a little bit of time there, but was actually able to get down there and on the ice with him and Roberto and, and James Reimer one summer. And just to get to watch the work that's done, what are, what are, what are some of the, whether it doesn't have to be specific, but if there are, what are the, some of the things you've taken away from those two in particular since you've gone to Florida? Yeah, I've been incredibly lucky to work with both of those guys. Um, it's funny because they're both perfect for what they're doing. Like Leo, you know, he's in the American league and he's, he's kind of, when you're in the American League, you can work on those details. And like those details are going to get you ready for the NHL. Once you're in the NHL, like you've got to feel good and, and you've, you've done the work and you just got to, you know, always, you, you know, you're always improving, but you got to feel good and maintain and, um, you know, do the things that work for you. Whereas when you're in the American League, you can sort of make those technical adjustments a little bit more, um, you know, you can sort of get away with more of those. And, and, and the time there allows you to kind of make those tweaks Whereas when you're in the NHL, like you're, you're not going to make these massive changes to your game. You're kind of, you're going to kind of want to do what, what's been working for you. So, um, Leo is, you know, my work with Leo, he's very technical. Um, 
and he does a very good job of, of thinking through basically everything. So when I talk to him, like, you know, I've, I've always been a fairly, you know, I've, I've always considered myself a fairly technical goaltender. Um, you know, I, I do like to get athletic as well, but um, I think I've, I've spent a lot of time on my technique and, you know, I came in and Leo was, he, he, you know, he liked what I had, but he always had a lot to offer, um, you know, just whether it was something as simple as when I'm dropping into my reverse VH, which is a big one. Like, um, so we sort of talked about that and uh, just having the dialogue with him to sort of, he's telling me what he sees and, you know, I'm, I'm in there and I, I like everything that I'm doing, obviously. And he's kind of like, well, like, this is how I see it. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, he's right. And, and, uh, you know, maybe dropping in a, a second too early. And that's a, that's a thing that I need to, to work on. So he's, he's good at catching those little things and um, having the dialogue of, of us being able to just be straight up with each other and, you know, him knowing that, you know, if you point something out to me, I'm going to consider it and I'm, you know, we're going to talk about it and have an open conversation about it. I think went a long way for, um, you know, him enabling, being able to, you know, have add a ton of value to my game. So that was great. You know, me and Leo's, uh, I, I talked to him the other day, actually, he's, you know, an awesome guy and an awesome coach. So it's been a pleasure working with him. And then, uh, so with Tally too, Tally's been, he's great. He's one of the nicest guys out there. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very, he's very good at, you know, he's not going to change your entire game. He's got a couple things that he, that he likes. Um, I was talking about, uh, one of them the other day, uh, just flipping your stick over and just attacking, um, the pass out option on a, on a wrap or when a player's, uh, bringing the puck behind the net, he's big on that. And, and I've, and I'm definitely, you know, on board with stopping all those passes from, from behind the net, but he kind of takes it a step further and, and uh, kind of brings that, that stick into it even before you get there, um, which, which I like a lot, but it's just one of those things that I'm going to have to take some time and, and fix, you know, the habit that I've been doing for, for years now. So, um, but he's been great. He's, he's very, um, you know, he's a very positive guy and he's, it's easy to feel good, you know, when he's got your back and, and he's kind of bringing you through the stuff that uh, he sort of highlights stuff that, that I do that makes me successful. And, you know, that gives me a lot of confidence going into games. And, and when I play confident, you know, things tend to go to go a lot better than uh, if I'm playing, you know, without confidence. So, um, yeah, both those guys have been have been great and, and pleasures to work with. Do you last one, I promise. And Darren Millard is going to laugh his ass off because I'm famous for last question. But um, <laughs> how many times have you been asked about like what changed as if something changed? I think I almost even did this at the beginning of this conversation, like as if something changed in the one summer before this year, where it has been this whole process and the time it's taken to learn all these different things and bring them into being ready for this opportunity. Like how many times you've been asked about, you know, sort of people see this as a sudden success when you know, it's been a lot of work over a lot of years to get to this point. Is that, is it frustrating or did you get that question a lot? Do you get the Jordan Bennington question a lot? (laughs) <laughs> a couple times definitely I think there's just been some like free coincidences I, I know he got a you know he his first game he had a shout out it was about the same time that I got from my first game both six years in or whatever so um you know some pretty crazy coincidences there for sure but um yeah I mean it's funny like you you say like you know is it crazy getting that question but um there's kind of two sides of it like I'll in a sense like something did did change that, but I, I think that was more my mindset than, than anything technical. Um, I've always sort of, you know, put in a lot of work over the years and, and worked on my technical game a lot. 
worked on a lot of things, but um, I don't think the buy-in was quite there where it needed to be. And, and um, you know, that being said, there was, there was a few tough bounces that I had. And, and uh, you know, maybe if, if I had some more fortunate bounces, things would have worked out. But, you know, I didn't get those. So on the flip side, you know, if I would have worked harder, um, then I can kind of have, give myself a better chance to deal with the things that are outside of my control. Um, you know, having too many goalies, that's one of those things that's outside of my control. Um, you know, getting injured, um, a lot of the times is outside of your control. So if you do the work and, and you worry about the things that you can control, you give, I mean, I've always, I kind of learned the hard way that you give yourself a better chance to, to, um, you know, affect those things and give you a better shot to come out on top. Um, when those hurdles come in your way, because there's always going to be, there's always going to be obstacles and it's never going to be easy. So, you know, if you think it's just going to be smooth sailing, like, you know, for some guys, yeah, like they get some good bounces and, you know, they end up having success that way. And, and, you know, that's, that's great. That's, um, that's awesome. But a lot of guys don't get the bounces, but if you're able to put in enough work where it doesn't matter how good or bad the bounces are, you're still going to have success. Then, you know, I think that's kind of giving yourself the best chance and, that's kind of what I've been, that, that was the big lesson that I learned, um, you know, being on that trajectory to make it to the NHL. And then, you know, some things went wrong and, you know, some of those things were outside of my control. Some of them were in. So I, I just needed to focus on the ones that were inside of my control. And, and I tried to hone in on those as, as much as I can. Well, we've been going for a full hour here and I didn't even get into that. We usually start, I usually start with who was your guy growing up? Were you a gear guy? There are so many common, you know, the ties that bind all of us goaltenders that we never even had a chance to get into. So I guess that's my way of saying I left myself a window to have another conversation with you because I know our audience is going to really enjoy this one, Chris. And so many great takeaways, especially like the lessons on how to approach practice and the drills that maybe we don't like as goaltenders, like right down to young ages, there are kids that are going to hear your advice on that and, and really pull something out of it. So just a sincere thank you from from all of us at Ingle and the audience to, for taking so much time today to share the, that process with us and being so open and honest about it. I really appreciate it. Well, listen, thanks for having me. It's been an, it's been an absolute pleasure. Fun stuff. Uh, and and Woody, uh, let's bring you right back into this conversation. Just because. Uh, you say Millard's going to be all over me with this last question. Doesn't take you off the hook for doing that. But I, I will know. say when you do it and you mention that, I know you're pushing it a little bit, uh, even under your own uh, guidelines, but it means that there's something really cool coming. Like there's, there's an inner passion uh, from that last question or that. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate uh, when you do that. It makes me perk up and listen a little bit more. I always thinking of you, Darren, and I always want to get a chuckle. But the truth is, honestly, in this one, and we make jokes about, you know, setting the record and all these kind of things. I was not watching the time until really late. And this conversation, we never preset anything. We didn't put a time limit on it. Um, and that's probably my fault. I didn't ask Chris, hey, like, how much time do you have? We just sort of started talking. Um, the only time limit was that if we had gone much longer, we would have actually gotten into this was recorded before we did our in-goal in-person series with Paul Schoenfelder and Andy Kyoto this week. And if we'd gone much longer, we would have, we would have risked me not being ready to run that, um, that session with those two coaches. 
And it really wasn't planned. It was just, you know, like it was just Chris. He was great. He just, you know, he went through his whole game. I asked him for some specifics from his game day routine. Oh my gosh. And he walked us through the entire thing from so start good. to finish. And I, I think that tells you a lot about the guy. He was open and honest on a lot of things where I think goalies would be guarded. Um, you know, the, the, the practice, because talking about finding ways to take practice, to get something out of practice that isn't for you, inherently admits that you weren't doing well, that before. And I think there's a fantastic lesson there. There's part of practice we've where were, it, it kind of chafes them a little bit. It, well, and we've written yeah. articles about how a lot of those parts of practice suck for yeah, goalies. Every They're goalie's not good thought for that. Goalies. Every goalie's thought that in their career at some point. So it's so good to hear it from them. Absolutely. But there's a guy that recognizes that it doesn't mean you can't find ways to get better within those parts. And I do think there's been times where I've written articles, maybe maybe not so much at Ingold.com, ingolmag.com but over at nhl.com where it's like yeah like a lot of practice isn't good for goalies and i've heard responses from even pro goalies saying yeah like that sucks and 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 it's it's a waste of our time and it can be a negative but there's a guy that's like okay i'm gonna find a way i gotta be out here i'm gonna find a way to get something out of this and i just love that it's one of the takeaways that frankly i'm gonna pull out and do a separate article on a proper sleep every night not just on game nights details details Yeah. Which, uh, which was interesting. I thought the whole, the whole narrative around hard work always jumps out at me because I think that's the most important message that we're trying to give uh, kids. And that level of hard work now we've seen come out with a number of goaltenders. I was having a conversation with somebody last week and trying to put into perspective what all that work means. I mean, it's not like when you're playing Adam hockey and, you know, a game might be three goals against or it might be 10 goals against. Like at the NHL level to go from, you know, below below average to top 10 in save percentage is really only a question of stopping one more shot every four games. You would think that's not much. And so they're putting in all this work because they want to make 15 more saves a season, maybe 20 more saves a season. The details that you have to be willing to invest in so that one shot doesn't pop off your glove, so that one rebound is controlled properly, so that your feet are square, as he talked about in the in the practices. Hutch, I've um, never heard it put that way, but that's that's really jarring. This actually reminds me of the conversations um, you know, that one of the consultants that we've done some work with, Lyle Mast, has with a lot of his NHL goaltenders. Like all we're like it's the fine detail. Like we're looking for 10 saves. Like that's 10 saves in a season. If you can find 10 saves in a season, it can be the difference between, you know, a 900 and a 915. Like that, that's all you're looking for. It's that one or 2% better. That is the difference between a 900 and a 920. Those saves are worth a couple of hundred thousand bucks each. And sometimes maybe millions or more. And so um, that's why those fine details matter, whether it's, finding delays in movement and tracking patterns at, as he does, or whether it's making sure that you got a good night's sleep and, and what his conversation about um, those habits, it reminded me a lot of the conversation we had with Andy Kyoto and Paul Schoenfelder on the webinar this weekend. What does it mean to be a pro? And those details include everything from practice to what you do off the ice. And, you know, 
and it also reminded you of Matthew Guerin. How long was mm-hmm, he into his mm-hmm. career before before he saw what he told us seeing Marc Andre Fleury? And it's like, like, damn, that's what that's what real work looks like, right? Well, so, I thought back. I um, thought back to Jeremy Swayman talking about the the skills ball machine too. I mean, you can't tell me having seen it in action here that he couldn't get his hand on every single ball that came at him. I'm sure he would have got his hand on every single ball. Is that a success? No, he wanted to cleanly get every single shot because he didn't want any of those pop-outs because two or three pop-outs a season turn into a rebound, turn into a goal, and that's the difference between being good and great. Um, you know, a bit like golf, I was thinking, Woody, you know, your other big sport. How many, how many shots can you miss in a PGA tournament and still be successful? Not many. Couple? Right. Couple? Yeah, no, it's... You know, the, the line is really fine. We're putting in a ton of work because you need perfection now. The other big one for me was, uh, he kind of just threw it out there, but having your feet square in practice cuts the goals against in half. And that obviously has a spill effect in, in, in the games, but I thought, wow, what? That's a, that's a pretty striking statement. Yeah, and I'm not sure that he's... Well, I'm sure that he's not delving into the stats there for that one. Mm-hmm. It's really just a, a statement he's making, but I think it's a really great point. Get set and you're tilting the odds in your favor, which is what we're often trying to do. I mean, set and square is, I mean, it's what we're, it, when we talk about the 1%, the 2%, what we're trying to do in movement and biomechanics is get you there sooner, mm-hmm. get you there without having to take extra steps, arriving set and square. Like that's, that's a massive part of the game, right? Is being able to get there and be set and be square and ready to move to the next, whether it's pass or, or save or react to whatever's next. And so if you, anytime you're not, we, the other part is we talk about this, like when do pucks go through you? Pucks go through you when you're not square. Mm-hmm. That, that like, it's massive. That, uh, that actually came up at Ingle Premium this week. We just published a pro read with Carter Hart and I love listening to Carter Hart because we tried to, we tried to, it was all Woody's idea, credit to Woody, that we wanted this series of pro reads to be about the success of goaltenders, because too often on the internet, we just see people complaining about everything that they should have done on a goal. So the pro reads are all about a save, and what did they do right? But pretty much everyone with Carter Hart, he makes a great save. It's the kind of thing we would all be looking for on TSN that night, or Sportsnet, or wherever, and, uh, and he's telling us what he did wrong. Yeah, I probably should have done this. Yeah, I probably should have done that. I got lucky here. And actually this week, one of them was that he could have moved differently so he would have arrived on his feet or arrived more square. Um, again, looking at, looking at those details, it's incredible. Have you? We talk about, sorry, Darren, but we talk about looking for that 1% or those 10 saves. I just happened to pull up NHL.com where we're talking and Anti Ranta has a, a thousand, just over a thousand shots against this season. And if you take, if he makes 10 fewer saves, right now he has a 921 save percentage that ranks him in the top 10 in the league. You take 10 saves away, he's down to 911 and he's in the bottom third of the league. So that's all you're looking for. And there's a guy that didn't even play the whole season. Margin of error. Uh, yeah. So the, uh, the other one, uh, when he talks about uh, just uh, being a goaltender who's dealing with the ups and downs, and, and again, seven years after he was drafted, he makes his first National Hockey League start, and that's uh, paying his his dues. And uh, he talked about going down to the ECHL and and doing that kind of thing. But uh, like Jordan Binnington a year ago, seven and two uh, this year for 
Chris Dreger, there's a, there's a, a real reward there to sticking to it. Yeah, and, and just I, I just loved how open he was about all the lessons he learned along the way, and there were a lot that I think can be applied to, that other goalies can take away from at any level, and whether it's the work ethic thing, whether it's how you treat practice, whether it's the mindset stuff. He talked about his ability, and it reminded me of Jeremy Swayman to sort of take himself out of the moment during breaks in play, but then reset himself back in so that he's not exhausted mm-hmm. Once the puck drops, and I love this tap on the crossbar again, another takeaway. And this is something we've heard from Pete Fry when we attended his seminar with John Stevenson last year, where it, there's an actual physical act where he has his goalies walk through and develop something, whether it's sort of tapping the gloves together or knocking the front of their pad with their stick in a certain Your anchor, way. he calls and it. There you go, an anchor, something that phys- something you do physically that brings you mentally back to, okay, it's time to play. We heard Carter Hart talk about it, the routine he does before every period and the jump, right? We saw that in Ingo Premium, the article where he, where he talked about why the jump is just sort of part of a routine he has that, boom, time to play. So I loved all those elements. I thought Chris brought a lot of them together, a lot of different lessons that a lot of goalies can apply at every age. I loved I loved that in his very Woody-esque response to what's your pregame routine, uh, he got into the details of what he does during the national anthem even. Wow, actually, that was amazing. And the know, Providence and, thing? And so important, actually, because as goaltenders get a little bit older, and now you, know, you go from 15-minute periods to 20-minute periods to two intermissions to a national anthem, those changes are big. And you know, here we are talking about 10 saves a season. And, uh, you know, you might be in your first national anthem and you lose a little focus. You're looking up at the crowd for mom and dad, for your friends. Uh, uh, No, no. By that age, you're not looking for mom and dad. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. (laughs) But but it's distracting. Well, I should paraphrase my son's coach who said to the team one time um, in very colorful language, you know, I have never seen your girlfriend walk across the back of the crowd down the stairs onto the bench grab your stick go dig a puck out of the corner for you and pass it to your line mate so she's no good to you right now talk to her after the game <laughs> talk to her after the game <laughs> exactly but yeah no that was that was fast uh, the transition well we will get too far into it but the, even the transition from uh, a warm up and then go straight into the game and then a warm up and then a flood and go into the game would be uh it's huge. There, there's something that uh, that we can get into uh, for a later episode. But yeah, that uh, I didn't realize Providence played three anthems. There was there was something different. And what's the third anthem? You know, I had no idea. What's the third? I, now I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out. What would it be? Uh, Craig Anderson. Did you guys know that uh, that that he had such a a great read? Have you done a pro read with with Craig? We have. We've, We've done, done a couple. Few, three, oh, I think. Craig, now. Yeah, yeah. Craig's and and he's. Man, his ability to read the game, and Chris isn't the first one to mention this, but it's it's at another level. And as a matter of fact, um, we've done, well, we've done a podcast with Craig too, yeah. right? And he talked about how he went about learning to read blades and read sticks. And there's actually some good advice in there. As a matter of fact, this sounds like a hell of an idea, Darren. We should probably go back to that podcast, dig out his yeah. quotes on how to learn to read a blade. And write an article. Well, about it. that was just amazing. Somebody should it do that. It sounded like uh, it reminded me of Curtis Joseph, who was incredible at being able to read a release. Uh, and and Craig is right along those veins. But you you can't really teach that, or can you? I I don't know. But uh, well, but Dreger was I, just to hear a National Hockey League goaltender 
almost in awe of how somebody else approaches the game is uh, was was kind of a neat thing too. It was, and then we heard the same thing in terms of how he was in awe of the preparation mm-hmm. that Bob puts yes. in now that he's seeing in Florida, and I've seen that firsthand. And for some goalies, it might be too much. It may it it may be exhausting, frankly. But the the amount of detail that Bob puts into his work similarly sort of jaw dropping for Chris. And again, I just love the openness and the honesty. Looking forward to uh, more openness and honesty, and we know we'll get that from Bill Ranford in goal in person coming up May 18th, uh, this Saturday at 1 o'clock Pacific time. And you can, not May 18th, oh, May, not May 18th, May 16th. May, you know what May 18th is? May 18th is Chris Breacher's birthday. Ooh. It is. Uh, May 16th is the Ingle in person with Bill Ranford. I'm sorry. I got that uh, that flipped over. But I uh, appreciate though. the face uh, of uh, of Dave Hutchison telling me that I'd screwed that up. So May 16th, that's this Saturday, Bill Ranford, Ingle in person. It's uh, part of our continuing webinar series. And if you want to sign up, uh, Woody, uh, how do you go about doing that and making sure that you are able to participate? Check out ingoalmag.com. There'll be a link with an article that has the registration button. Again, um, it'll cost us money to put on webinars. We have to buy into the software and the program. So it is for members only. That's our way of sort of keeping the numbers under 500. So if you're an Ingoal member, go to the website, ingoalmag.com. Check out uh, social media for some updates. Uh, There'll be links on there as well. Get yourself signed up early. Make sure you show up. Uh, and listen to everything Bill has to say, because as, as a guy who's been lucky enough to have a few of those conversations, it's a worthwhile listen. Yeah, he's fascinating, Hutch. He, he's just a really cool guy to uh, to listen to, and he is really dove headfirst into this pause with uh, reaching out and, and absorbing and, and uh, touching all the bases when it comes to goaltending. He's, he's been fun, and we look forward to uh, him on Saturday. Did Woody handle all the uh, the tee-ups there? Okay. I like throwing him the uh, the odd curveball about because uh, normally you're the he setup well. guy. You, you, you know well. all yeah. the uh, the ins and outs. You're, you're good at throwing curveballs. <laughs> the only thing you didn't say is in-goal member Bill Ranford. I mean, oh. Pretty pretty cool at that first webinar to just, you know, you can scan who's, who's signed on. And Bill Ranford? Wow, that's awesome. I mean... As you said, yeah, he's he's diving headfirst in during the break, but he's also just he's just another member of the goalie union. Happens to have four Stanley Cups, but he acts like just another member of the goalie union. Happy to share with us, happy to share himself with our members, and uh, and awesome for him to put himself out there like that. And I will say the the cool part was because I was surprised. I could see it with other goalie coaches being on. Like it wasn't a surprise to me that were so many other goalie coaches that tuned in to hear Andy Kyoto and Paul mm-hmm. Schoenfelder talk. Like we had, I think there's like seven or eight, uh, AHL goalie coaches has logged on to hear that other development goalie coaches as well as some NHL guys. The bill one surprised me the first time, just cause it was, we we're talking about gear yeah. at the Bauer ultrasonic series. And when I asked him later about why he's like, because I wanted to learn, like, I need to know what the new things are, like the, the properties of this new gear, how it works, how it might work for some of my goalies. I've got some younger goalies coming up. You know, Jacob Ingham is a Bauer guy. He wears that stuff. He's a, he's a King's draft pick and a fast riser. So, you know, he might be seeing him next year. So to understand how it performs and how it's supposed to perform that to him, that was a worthwhile investment. I think it says a lot about, uh, you know, just how invested he is in in development and understanding and constantly wanting to grow in a position that never stops. So 
Uh, you're going to have some good. We're going to hear some really good stuff from him this week. And uh, one of the uh, takeaways from all the webinars and the Zoom calls that uh, we've been doing uh, throughout this uh, NHL pause and the pandemic has been what people are, uh, how they're filming themselves and where, where they are when they shoot their video. And Bill Ranford has a really cool setup. Uh, there's some masks up on, on the wall, I believe, behind him. So hope I'm hoping that he's got the same place and we can get maybe a bit of a tour uh, around Bill's setup. It's, it'll either be that or it'll be like the second <laughs> webinar with Pete Fry where he put Bill on the spot and Surprise. it looked like Bill was just sort of ha- hanging, out in the, <laughs> hanging out in the bedroom yeah. and you had oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the bedroom in the background. He's kind of lying on the <laughs> iPad. So um, he'll be a little more prepared for this one than, than that uh, one. Well, we started this uh, conversation or uh, mentioned uh, the hat with, uh, with Woody and how much he can uh, take away from that. But uh, you've, uh, you've done well and uh, it's time to cap off uh, this episode of uh, Ingle Radio, the podcast. On behalf of Chris Dreger, thank you very much, uh, and David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. We thank you, the listener, for listening and being part of this community of Ingle Magazine and Ingle Radio, the podcast. 